Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hoping we find find you all in good form on this Monday as we are edging ever closer to Christmas Day and the weather yesterday in some parts they had snow. It was lovely looking at the news, watching the snow in some areas, even though snow was an absolute dread for most people, particularly coming up to Christmas. But doesn't everybody dream of a white uh, Christmas? But it isn't looking like we're going to get a white Christmas. Now we had a very cold spell at the weekend, but Met Aaron are saying no, unlikely that it's going to be cold this time next week and the bookmakers the likes of Paddy Power they're already saying that the chance of snow they're 4 to 1 I think is the odds and I know we heard from Boyle Sports last week and they were giving kind of low odds as well so we're not really expecting it's certainly a white Christmas this time next week actually if anything we're going to have warmer conditions now it does look like this week is going to be quite chilly and this Arctic cold snap that's around the country that's going to hang around for a few more days but as we head into next week the indications are Christmas Eve Christmas Day and St Stephen's Day will all have warmer conditions mixture of rain best of the days it's going to be Christmas Eve and I'm Delighted to hear this and I hope this stays true. Uh, We're going to have spells of sunshine and temperatures of around 8 degrees. So that's kind of nice because people like to get out and about on Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day and St Stephen's Day. That's when we're going to get more unsettled conditions. It'll still be warm, but it'll be, there'll be rain with it. So it doesn't look, look, as I say, it doesn't look like it is going to be a white Christmas. And it was kind of, while it was cold over the weekend, there were some miserable showers and one in particular that I got caught in yesterday and I was in the car so it was okay it was at about half past 11 yesterday morning I was heading back to West Cork doing the usual Christmas run of dropping off the Christmas presents and uh, meeting up with people who are as close to family as any family could be and I was heading down and I was coming out of Bandon and it was dark now I say it was about half 11 it was dark and dreary and there was a shower of 
hail and sleet and I just think God I was here to be out in it you know that kind of weather you were glad to be in the warmth of the car but the driving conditions weren't great so we were trying to chugging along nicely but what was making the drive even slower was the fact two three cars ahead of me was a tractor and trailer and on the back of the trailer was the large bales of hay covered in the black plastic there was a layer I would say would there be six on the trailer and then there was one sort of balanced on top of the six so it appeared like there was one loose one on the top that kind of caught my eye because I was thinking God if that comes off would it land on a car would it do serious damage I'm sure and hopefully it was well tied down but that did cross my mind so there was a car behind the tractor and trailer and then a guard the car overtook me and they then became the second car behind the tractor and trailer and then there was another car between me and the guard the car and then there was me and then there was a string of cars behind us. We were probably motoring along at about 20 miles uh, an hour and you were thinking you just want to get to your destination and is this tractor and trailer with the bales of hay will they ever pull in? So it's a road I know really well so I was thinking coming out of Bandon here we go they'll pull in a gaggin there's just a little spot there where you can pull in a gaggin and let all the cars pass. So we got to Gagan and did the man in the tractor and trailer pull in? No he didn't. He proceeded to motor along the road. So we go on another little bit, not yards, I would say more than anything, past the turn off for Gagan and the car behind him decides to overtake. Now it's on a double white line, even though you could see ahead there was, you know, he had, even though it is a double white line, there was visibility, he could see there was nothing coming so he was okay, but he overtook. And as he overtook, the guard of the car put on their flashing lights and I said, oh no, they're going to go after the guy and they're going to do him for overtaking on double white lines. And I was thinking, oh, this is really unfortunate. This is really unfortunate. And my heart was going out to the guy. So the lights are on on the squad car, but the tractor and trailer still isn't pulling in. So the guy of the car can't overtake to go, as I thought, after the guy who had overtaken on the double white line. So there's a hand comes out of the out of the guy of the car window to say to the guy in the tractor, will you pull over, will you pull over kind of thing. You could imagine him roaring out the window at him. So anyway, that caught the tractor driver's attention and he did pull over. But the guy of the car didn't overtake the tractor and trailer. He pulled in behind the tractor and trailer and obviously then had words with the tractor driver I don't know if the guy got a ticket for not pulling in or not or whether the guard just really read him the riot act because there was a line of cars and you could see I mean in my back window I was able to see the car behind me and there was a gentleman in the car behind me with a beaming smile on his face as if to say well done Garda you've helped us out there for sure and I just had a sigh of relief that the guy who had overtaken on the double white line had gotten away with it is probably the right thing to to say even though I know people are going to say Patricia you shouldn't be encouraging anybody to overtake on a double white line and I normally would never be encouraging anyone to overtake on a double white line but you could just sense the frustration in everybody in the line of traffic and as I say it was miserable miserable weather conditions and it was around maths time yesterday morning so there would have been a number of people out caught in that particular shower so if you were out you'll know what the weather conditions uh, were like so I, I 
I'm, I, so I'm, as I say I'm not saying to people overtake on double white lines it was quite safe I, you could clearly see there was nothing coming and he was able to uh, overtake but could the Garda have done him for overtaking a double white line I suppose he could have but I more mention it to people who are out there isn't a lot of agricultural vehicles on the road but just to make people aware we're into the busiest commercial time of the year for people out doing shopping and if we do have this cold spell over the next few days it is going to slow everybody down but if we get any kind of wet weather it just makes everybody a little bit more frantic but just for people in the tractors and the trailers and I know they have to do their work and it was a miserable day for that farmer to be out moving his bales and I would have sympathy for the farmers and the work that they have to do and they're out in all kinds of weathers as well but just be conscious and aware of what's behind you and when you get the opportunity to pull in he would only have had to pull in for probably 60 seconds at the most leave off the load of cars behind him and then he could have got on on his merry way because he couldn't have been going very far in moving the bales but as I say I don't know whether he got done for it or not or whether he just got a uh, quite a strong ticking off by uh, the young guard, the, the, the guard who stopped him uh, yesterday morning. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text us at 0862-103-103 or you can WhatsApp us. We were having a problem with the WhatsApp earlier, but I can see it's back up and running and everything is doing okay, including a text of a WhatsApp I've just spotted to say extremely icy over NAD to Clarew, that general area. So please be careful. Actually, anyone who has been out and about, if you came across the stretch of road, because, I mean, the sun has started to shine now, but it's still only two degrees. If there was any icy stretches in very sheltered areas, they're going to continue. While it's only two degrees, they will continue quite icy over the next number of hours. So just be careful if you're on the very rural areas. A listener said, out driving this morning the roads were very icy in the Mill Street area they were actually frozen and that was after 9 o'clock this morning so that's over an hour ago now so you do need to drive with extreme care now coming up on the programme today we are going to chat with a group from County Kerry they're a group of publicans who got together and they have bought a community car and it's called Social Lifts and the idea is that you can ring up this community car and it's voluntary, voluntary, volunteer drivers and they're taking people to and from the pubs so I'm really interested to see how they're getting on how many volunteers have come forward to be drivers how successful is it how busy is it and obviously it's all been done with the idea of helping out when it comes to social isolation and rural isolation and we have we're, I was sick to the teeth is the wrong phrase to use but certainly we have heard so so many times of in particular older men who live in very rural isolated areas who are now stuck indoors never get out and they were the type of men who used to get into the car and they would drive to their local pub and they'd have their couple of pints and they drove back, drive back home the rural roads and now they are just terrified afraid they're going to be stopped 
afraid they're going to be put off the road and because of the stricter drink driving laws and nobody's advocating drink driving before anybody gets on to me but because of stricter drink driving laws the fear is that that person would be off the road for three months and if you are living down a boring maybe three, four miles from the nearest house let alone the nearest village that car is essential it isn't a luxury it is essential and people are just fearful that they'll lose their licence so because of that they don't go to the pub anymore so they've come up with the idea of this social lifts it is terrific absolutely terrific well done to the publicans in County Kerry and we'll speak with one of them on the programme today and I'm assuming the idea hopefully now is that other areas might follow suit I mean it just needs a group of people to get together say yeah we'll do that how do we organise it what needs to be done how do we get the volunteer uh, drivers and get people to get out and about and just to be social and, it, and I'm, I'm assuming it doesn't just have to be lifts to the pub you might be able to get lift to the bingo as well but it operates in the evening time so we'll we'll chat about that on the programme we're going to get advice on cooking the turkey for Christmas this year and this is the general advice on how to cook it properly because we don't want food poisoning we don't want anybody sick over Christmas if you have a question with regard to your turkey maybe you've already purchased your turkey is it in the freezer have you got a frozen turkey or is it already in the fridge is it too early to buy the turkey yet where are we a week out 16th Um, anyway if you've bought your turkey already or if you're cooking the turkey for the first time maybe you are hosting Christmas dinner for the first time that's always a nerve-wracking experience and you're looking for advice on the cooking of the turkey get your questions in to us please and then after 11 today a book that I read over the weekend that I literally couldn't put down a book called Bring Him Home and it's a book about a family from Cork City from Bishopstown area whose brother went missing one day one Sunday walked out from the dad's house and went missing and the man the brother who went missing had been suffering from mental health issues and the family got concerned when he didn't come home and the, and the initial when somebody like that somebody goes missing you think actually they'll come back in a few days and everything will be fine and that's what you want to believe and then as the days go on and kind of a week passes and the person hasn't come home people really start to panic and think oh my god there's something really wrong here and the fear really sets in so this family as a family got together and said okay we're going to we're going to find him we're going to look for him and they did and they tracked him down and they found him on the streets of London. I mean, an absolute needle in a haystack. And as I was reading the book, and even though I knew by the blurb on the book that they had found the brother, and we're not giving anything away by telling people before you read the book that he's found at the end of the book. But you still, when I was reading the book, I had this sense of, oh, when they were on the plane heading to Heathrow, thinking, this is a needle in the haystack. How do you go look for somebody in a city with millions of people like London. Where do you go? Where do you start? And it's incredible the lengths that they went to and then the wonderful happy ending when they found their brother. So we're going to chat and this brilliant book has been written and as I say it's an absolute page turner so we'll talk about that on the programme today and it is Monday so that means that Annelise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig will join us and she will answer all of your nutritional questions. If you have a nutritional question get it in to us please. Actually I have to say a big reaction uh, to the piece when I mentioned about getting caught behind the tractor yesterday outside of Bandon and the, the tractor driver didn't pull in and a guard the car just happened to be two cars behind which if he'd looked in his rear view mirror he would have clearly seen it wasn't an unmarked guard the car it was you know, one of the jeeps it was a big guard the car clearly 
scene. And when he didn't pull in at Gagan, lights went on and the Garda pulled him in. Some of your commentary in Dennis says, uh, uh, Patricia, if I if I had been that member for Garda Corner, I would have done him. You see, I don't know whether he just gave him a warning and told him, you know, be more considerate the next time or whether he actually did him or not. Anyway, Dennis said, I'd have done him. I'd have bagged him and I'd taken the tractor off him. Uh, we roads would be a lot safer without farmers. And we have to, you can't you can't you can't be saying that, Dennis. You can't be saying that. Um thank you for your text though. Eileen in Cantork said, Patricia, how stupid of that farmer yesterday on his tractor. He should have seen all those cars building up in his rear view mirror and simply pulled in. Happy Christmas to you all at C one oh three. Thank you for that, uh, Eileen. Tom in Kilbritton said, I am a farmer myself and I'm one hundred and ten percent behind what Patricia said about what happened to her yesterday. My sons are trained also to pull in if there's a build up of cars behind them when they're out on the public road. There are some drivers out there, farmers, farmers' sons, agricultural contractors who are very considerate for road users. But unfortunately, there are others. And Tom and Kilbritton is a farmer. I would like to believe that the ones who are not considerate are in the minority rather than the majority. I think the majority of people, farmers out using the roads, know how frustrating it can be. And how often have we discussed on this programme that slow driving causes as many accidents because people then take unnecessary risks and that can lead to, to I don't know, as many, but certainly a lot of accidents they can, I don't know if they can equal the number of accidents that are caused by speeding, but slow drivers can be a risk uh, as well. Tom Gilbritton says, well done to the member from Garda Corner for doing what he did and pulling in the guy driving the tractor. Elizabeth was on to say, delighted to hear what the Garda did yesterday, uh, Patricia. This, ha- this has happened to me so many times travelling on different roads and it is very, very frustrating. Magella in Dunmanway, there are too many slow drivers, or as I call them, Sunday drivers, says Magella. They also need to be targeted by Angarda Shiakona. People behind them get so frustrated they take the chances and that's what can and does cause accidents. Neil in Formoy, why do slow drivers feel it's okay to do 30 kilometres on a 100 kilometre road? It's going to lead to accidents. Gardy need to tackle this more. Dan, no, that's a, on a different issue on some of the WhatsApps in Tim in West Cork says, uh, I, as, I, as far as I know, a slow moving vehicle is supposed to pull in at the first available opportunity if there are more than six cars behind them. Yeah, I'm, I, I think you're right on that. I think they can, you can be fined or prosecuted for not uh, pulling in. Someone else says, every time I see a tractor driver, they always appear to be on their phones. 1850-333-103. And just very briefly on the whole farmer issue but a slightly different angle to it. Listener says, as are farmers still allowed to spread slurry? Where are we at? In the middle of December. I saw a farmer with a slurry tank near Liscarroll yesterday. Surely they're not allowed to do it at this time of year. The land has to be saturated. So the slurry will no doubt end up in rivers. Are they allowed to spread? Well, we're, we're well past, aren't we, the slurry spreading season. The last time we mentioned it would have been in the middle of October because the October 15th, 
the, was the deadline for the start, for the ending of slurry spreading. And I know at the time some of the farming organisations were calling on the Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed, for an extension of the open period for slurry spreading because the weather conditions hadn't been great. There'd been, you know, all that rainfall that we had since early August. So because of that, they were looking for extension. I don't know if they did get an extension, but if they did, they surely, surely wouldn't be getting an extension into the middle of December. Now, the only thing I will say, and maybe somebody who knows farming a, a hell of a lot better than me, the fact that you saw somebody with a slurry tank, could they have been spreading something else? Does it always, do you always... If you see a slurry tank out, does it always mean that there's slurry inside in it? Maybe they were using it for something else. 1850-333-103. If you want to shed some light on that first, please. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace. Going the extra smile this Christmas and making your celebrations special. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. Eggfoil Mock Quintanania is Farlin. Shot eight thrower C103 Air Kirkig. She balancholic gunpowder mills count us the Fergun of Slarula is Simula Igurkig. Bunyachesibli and Shachtiag and Noha Kahar. Agas Bunyach Fimas, Kadi Lewis Vihuish. Agas a queen to avoid Visuas like Kuik Hiat Dina Egobers Namilte. Inchitur Skil Bioga, Fensail in Agents and Ochtu Agas Nayuish Diag, Snafergun of Shah, Perfeder Fourth Kurta Hurtaha. Ha Pork Regunach Valencholic and Palta Inish. Agas I Oscar to them bubble. Now an area of County Kerry is supporting a pilot initiative to combat rural isolation with the purchase of a community car social spin as it's been called has been set up by a group of publicans in the Causeway and Faha areas with the support of Guinness and the Vintners Federation of Ireland and joining me with more details is Sean O'Mahony who is the owner of the Faha Court pub. Good morning to you Sean. Good morning Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Can you explain how the social spin works? Social spin uh, we have uh, 30 voluntary drivers. First of all I would like to thank the Edger uh, for, 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 for sponsoring Social Spin. Okay. And I would like to thank the, the VFI who supported me in every way in rolling this out. Uh, we have 30 voluntary drivers. Uh, we have a designated phone for the car. So uh, the driver will, uh, will pick up the car uh, at 6 o'clock in the evening. We'll take the car home. Uh, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll, we'll have the phone on, on him or her. And when the person rings... They will collect that person. You know, it is one, two, three, or four people. And how successful has it been to date? It has been a hundred percent successful. Uh, a volunteer driver he'll drive one night in the month. Okay. Oh, that's not bad. That's uh, not bad. And they're all local people, obviously. They're all local people. We have some of them are pioneers. Okay. Uh, we have men and women of all age groups. But you, ha- you have to be over 25 and under 71 to drive. And be, a- and be able to drive a car. That's, yes. there's, there's no training involved because you're just picking people up saying, get into the car, I'll drop you to the pub. Correct. And uh, uh, I'd like to thank the FBD for, um, for, for uh, taking us on board 
an insuring source has been. You see, that was going to be my next I, question. I found it. I ha- found it very difficult to get insurance. Yeah, how, how do you get around that? Because you, you, okay, you're not a taxi company. You're no, not a hackney. Totally voluntary. This is totally voluntary. Uh, you, can, you can give a donation, but the maximum you give is five euros for to, in total for, the for, for, for your night out. That'll bring you to the pub and take you home. What are taxi and hackney companies in the area saying? Are you, are you doing them out of business? Uh, in, in actual fact, I have a taxi driver that uses my service. <laughs> uh, because um, the, I, 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 I believe that the taxis are fully supportive of social spin. Okay. Because uh, if, it cost, if it costs a customer who's in my premises having a social drink, if it costs them uh, the minimum 25 euros to come to the pub, yeah. And 25 euros to go home. In a taxi? Yes, correct. Ah, because yeah. they have to come from Killarney. Yeah, They're people... based in Killarney Town. I'm six miles outside Killarney Town. Yeah, people can't afford that. And they can't afford that, no. So the taxis know that you're not taking business. These are people who would never be using a taxi, is what, is, is, is what you're saying. Who came up with the idea, Sean? I came up with the idea myself. I, I, I attended a vintners meeting in Tralee. I brought it up, up uh, at the meeting. And the community at Causeway, the public at Causeway, thought it was a good idea. And they came on board with me. I, at that stage, I had not sponsorship got from Diageo, but I was, a, I was, a, I had, a, I had approached Fionnuala Dwyer, my own local rep, who was fantastic with me and worked with me. And thankfully, Diageo, when I showed them what, my, what, I had, what I put on the table, Diageo and the VFI came on board and fully supported me. And what kind of a car is it? We, I started off with a car worth 800 euros. I bought it in Dublin. But the tax in the, in the car was 950 euros a year. <laughs> so I put, I put the cat before the horse. <laughs> so what do you have now? I have a, I have a, I have, I have a Skoda Superb now. Have you a Skoda? And in fact, in actual fact, I bought it in Cork. Did you? That's my, great. My, my local, my local Lilminster Skoda dealer hadn't won at that age suitable for me. And you had to come across the border to get a good car. I had to come across the border, unfortunately. And you got the word out to people then. And uh, would I be right in saying, Sean, it's mainly older people? No, it's all ages. All ages, okay. We had a, we had, we, we had a football match yesterday and unfortunately we, 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 we lost the match. But um, that turned up in my pub was for a social drink and they availed their social spin home, the, 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 the players. So, so, so you, they did. They did he, whoever was driving last night had a couple of runs to do. Yeah, then was it? several runs. Yeah. And is there a catchment area in which I you would work? have a catchment area? If it'd be for, for local people, if would uh, if I went outside the catchment area, uh, that the car would be too busy on 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 busy nights. Yes, you. So you have to you have to see after the, the local people, and you have to guarantee them the service, and the service is seven nights a week. And the drivers themselves are they enjoying it? They're enjoying it, yes. The, the, the drivers are enjoying it. They're all voluntary drivers. And only for the drivers, this would not be possible. And I want to make that very clear. Here in the Stifahe area, I have a wonderful, wonderful group of people in this area. And it's the, the pub is the only socialising we have in the area. Yeah. We have lost our shop. We have nothing now except our football, our football pitch um, and, the, and the community centre and the pub. Have you a post office? No, no, we, no. We, we, lost, we lost the post office as well. So, so this is the last straw now we have, and please God, we'll be able to hold it. And I hope, I hope that, that, that my government will come out and support the social spin. 
I think it's I think it's brilliant, and I, I and I really hope that other areas and other areas will follow your lead. And that's what's going to be needed, though. We we need more visionaries like you. Other publicans need to decide to do it in their areas. Well, isn't, that, isn't that what it is? Well, in actual fact, we 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 this is a pilot scheme, and we have a consultancy group in Dublin uh, hired to look at the feasibility of this in rolling it out. Great. So what we hope to do in May next May is to, is to, is to approach the minister and ask him to sit down with him to see how, how we can roll this out across the country. It is working now. After nine, after seven months, I can say it is working. But I would like to have the 12 months up before we would approach government. Yeah, and be able to say this. this is how good it was over, over the last 12 months. Tell me now how you got the backing of Hollywood star Chris O'Dowd. Chris, well, that is a secret, actually. He cost, he cost me big money, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, that, that was um, that was John uh, Diageo and... Uh, um, Designed an ad, yeah, and they brought um, Chris O'Dowd along to drive the car on the night. And I'd like to, I'd like to thank Chris O'Dowd for coming to to, to list life for Harry. He's a, a lovely man, very easy man to talk to, and it was fantastic for us. Did he come into the pub? He came into the pub. He drove the car and he did a social drink with us. Did he? He's like a pint of Guinness. He's a lovely man, and of course he comes. He's a Roscommon man. He comes from a rural area. He, he comes from Boyle Roscommon. Yeah. In actual fact, he bought a lottery ticket for. Um, from our local GA club, for our, we have the lot every Sunday night. And next, in fact, he won €25 Euros in it. <laughs> Did you send it to him? Well, in actual fact, I think that the local community are, are putting a sponsorship, a sponsorship together to, to, to fly me out, out to the States. Oh, to to me abs- to absolutely, and, to, and <laughs> deliver the winnings. I, I hear, hear. I think that should happen. So you're looking forward to a good Christmas then, uh, Sean and Fahar? I am looking forward to a good Christmas, and I hope that... Um, that all my customers and everyone will, will continue to, to wait a source of Spain for, to get a safe journey home. Will you have the Wren boys on, on St Stephen's Day? Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. Okay. Yes. All right. So the, the Faha Court pub, if you're ever in Faha, call in Sean is your man. And uh, as, as Chris O'Dowd said, Chris O'Dowd said when he was leaving, that, he, that himself and and his good wife will call to me the next time in Kerry so you could see Chris O'Dowd above yeah. at the corner of the, the bar having a, having a social drink. You yeah. never know. Listen, uh, Sean, good luck with your social spins. It's fantastic. And thank you so much for taking our call And thank morning. you very much for having, on, 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 for having me on our show. OK, take take care. Bye-bye. 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 God bless. Uh, happy Christmas to you. What a lovely man. That is Sean O'Mahony of Faha Court Pub with their social spin spin and I imagine if it got set up in any other rural area across any part of Cork I imagine it would be as successful and as busy as the one is in that one in Kerry and interesting that the taxi drivers it's not taking from the taxi drivers and I think Sean is right if you know the the target market that they're going for are the people living six seven miles down a boreen that no taxi is going to go to or if a taxi does go to it it just would be too expensive for the person living in the house they would not be able to afford to go out and have a drink or socialise or whatever they want to do so good luck to Social Spin and we'll keep an eye on it and if we hear of one starting here in the Cork area we'd be only too glad to give it a mention John Paul taking your calls 1850 333 103 Cork today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade open every weekend until Christmas 
Join Martina O'Donoghue weekdays from 4 on C103. The best in music, the up-to-date traffic and all the latest entertainment news. Drive time on C103 with Kellers of McCroom. The place to order your new Ford car or commercial vehicle for 2020. See kellersofmacroom.ie Safe Food, Ireland's food safety watchdog is once again warning people not to wash their turkeys before cooking them on Christmas Day. And joining me to explain why this message is so important is Dr. Gary Carney, who is Director of Food Science at uh, Safe Food. Uh, good morning to you, Gary. Morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome. Now, it's reckoned more than one million of us will cook a turkey this uh, Christmas. Why is it so important that we don't wash it? Well, I'd say our recent research um, showed, for starters, a quarter of us are cooking Christmas dinner for the first time. So the uh, whole area about wish, washing turkey or not to wash turkey is very, very important. And we were surprised that four in ten of us were going to do it. And the reason why is because when we, we automatically assume we need to wash it because it's dirty. Um, and the reason we recommend not to is because when you put that turkey in the, in the, in, in the sink and start washing it, you're spreading food poisoning bugs really around uh, your sink area, your draining board, your taps and what have you. And there might even be some ready-to-eat foods nearby as well. So it's a natural inclination. It's counterintuitive, but we recommend that you don't. And one good reason that you shouldn't is that the cooking process, your oven, will kill any bugs that could potentially give you food poisoning. And it's the same advice for a chicken, isn't it? It's exactly the same as chicken. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not sterile and people, sometimes when people bring back turkeys from the shop or wherever, or the and they might see a little bit of blood or whatever. So, I mean, take a bit of kitchen towel, rub it down, throw it straight away into the bin, wash your hands and then bung it into the the oven. Or if you're preparing, of course, you might want to stuff it. But wash your hands afterwards. So there's no point in spreading bugs around the kitchen, especially young children and everything else, you know, um, wandering around. Now, it's interesting when you mention stuffing, because when it comes to the cooking of the bird, to stuff or not to stuff, that is the question. What's the, what's the recommendation? Well, look, most of us have fan-assisted ovens. Yeah. Um, so what we'd recommend is if you have a fan-assisted oven, um, yeah, you can. St- it's entirely up to you. There's no right or wrong here. You can stuff the turkey or not stuff it. But if you don't have a fan-assisted oven, we'd recommend that you don't because what might happen is that the air, as it's been heated and so on, it's not been circulated around the, the oven and you might end up with stuffing that's undercooked and a turkey that's overcooked and, you know, you don't want that. Yeah, yeah. So the other tip around stuffing, though, that people probably, um, say, you know, they look at the, the cavity and say, yeah, I'll get as much as I can into that. We don't recommend that you should go that way. We generally recommend around 10% of the weight of a turkey um, in terms of stuffing. So, for example, if you had a five kilogram turkey, you should be putting in just about a tenth of that, which is 500 grams of stuffing. And no more. And no more. The reason why is you want the air to circulate in that cavity and cook, especially if you're doing sausage stuffing. You want that to cook and cook fully because uh, otherwise that'll be undercooked and, um, you know, um, it's not the result that you want. Yeah, and of course the whole thing is to cook the turkey and to cook it properly. How do we know when it's cooked and ready for eating? Absolutely. Well, one of the, um, a quick way is, there are three tips we use, is 
generally get um, a clean fork or a skewer and pierce the, the meat between, we'll say, the, the, the breast and the, and, and the wing where it's thickest. And if the juice is run clear, it's piping hot throughout and there's no red meat, then you can be fairly certain that your turkey is cooked properly. If you have a thermometer, by all means, use that on top of it. And again, just pierce it in that same spot. And if it hits 75 degrees um, Celsius instantaneously, then that is all. That's a second check, if you like. But if you don't have it, um, those three steps are um, the way to go. And then there, there are some people listening will have already purchased their turkey in that it's a frozen turkey. How and when do you start to defrost? That's a very good question because um, roughly for every five pounds of turkey, you need to allow 24, pound, 24 hours to defrost. So in other words, so that's five pounds. People get confused with the with the different yeah. scales. It's about two point five kilograms or five pounds roughly. So for every um, for every five kilograms, twenty four hours. So if you think, suppose you're doing a very very big uh, Christmas turkey, and it's a fifteen pounder, for example, that's three days out of time. Yeah. So. Christmas Day being on Wednesday, you'd want to be stuffing on the Tuesday. So you really want to be defrosting that in the Saturday or Sunday. So I suppose the best tip is to, if you're buying uh, a, fro- a frozen turkey, keep that in mind. If you're buying fresh turkey, buy it as close as you can um, to Christmas Day. It's all about the prep. And I suppose, Patricia, the other thing I would say is a lot of people do buy, there's some great deals out there around frozen turkeys and it takes, you know, some of the running around um, off you. Um, if you're bringing in a frozen turkey and you're going to thaw this out over next weekend, it's probably a good idea during the week now to just have a look at your fridge. Um, dump out those any foods that are past or used by dates, and especially for like me, because I just said at the weekend pass, um, all those glass bottles, you know, the various sauces <laughs> that we uh, use. Why, why, were there since last summer, I Yeah, think. and why do we, I, do you know something, I, I did the same job myself and I cleared out cupboards to make space yeah. for all the extra food we're going to buy, but I cleared out the fridge and I was looking at things going, why do we put the brown sauce into the fridge in the first place? It doesn't even have to be refrigerated. It doesn't, it doesn't, not at all. Not at all. But we tend to, um, we, you know, same with ketchup. Yeah. But some of these don't need to be in there. But if you're bringing back a frozen turkey, you'll need to thaw it out in a kind of a, a, a sort of a dish, excuse me, and you'd want to have that thawing out on the bottom of your fridge. So to do that, you need plenty of room. You probably need to rearrange some of the shelving in your fridge and give, while you're at, while you're at it, give it a good old wash out. Soapy water, no, no detergents detergents and like I said dump all of those other glass bottles that you don't need to give you some more room because don't forget there'll be leftovers going in there as well and some people will have ham as well so I think next weekend or during this week even would probably be a good time to have a look at your fridge and make some space for the turkey and then we always buy I think everyone's guilty of this the turkey is always too big for the number of people that are coming uh, to dinner so we've got the leftover turkeys turkey how long after Christmas can we still be eating that leftover turkey well you have a choice um, if you're leaving if you're not free freezing it you can freeze it by all means um, don't forget that's not a, a smart thing to do if you have really a lot and you're saying you're going to get sick of turkey after Stephen's Day why not freeze it and then it's probably good enough for three, four, five months obviously uh, three never, months would be better I've never thought of freezing the they, yeah, a lot yeah. of people do especially around um, you know it's kind of the, maybe the browner meat or yeah, the meat yeah. that's probably less because it's great to put in, in, in a curry 
Pardon me? It's great when a curry or a yeah. pie or something. Or a pie yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And um, you could, you know, in a, in a month's time, maybe if you're caught for a bit of meat and you have it frozen, that would be that would be the job. If you're not freezing it, we recommend three days. So um, what we would say is when you've cooked the turkey, when you've cooked the turkey, you've carved it, you have um, plated and everything else, uh, sit down, obviously have your dinner, but go out and cut the turkey up. Cut it into various pieces, some maybe for freezing, some that you'll use over the following three days. And because generally we recommend leaving, you know, cooked meat out for about two hours after cooking, because after that, bacteria start to multiply and you just don't want to go there, you know. Yeah, should, so, it, should it be cold? I, I, we always have this argument, is the turkey cold enough to put it back into the fridge? Should it be cold? Well, there, there's differing opinions on that. I would always say, leave it to not stone cold, but quite cold. Yeah. Um, there weren't, some people say, look, when you put it into the, um, you know, even warm into the fridge, you know, modern fridges now, you know, they circulate the air and everything else and it cools down quite rapidly. The other side of the coin is if you put it in there and the fridge is maybe not the best, well, what you're doing is you're warming up the, other foods yeah, that are in there. Yeah, and yeah. then you're, So it's counterproductive. So look, what I recommend generally is leave it, you know, if, if it's cool to touch, um, then I'd be putting it in there. Um, and again, put those cooked meats at the top of the fridge and top shelves of the fridge rather than below where the raw meats would normally be, you know. Okay, Mary says, I always clean my bird with kitchen paper and I stuck uh, and I stuff the cavity and the neck only. I've been doing it for 40 years. My mother cooked well it that done. way too. Doreen Allen does it the same way. You never wash them, says Mary. Well done, Mary. And well um, one lady, very quickly, how long will, will a fresh turkey, £12, take to cook? Oh, I can't tell you. Yeah, because you're but not the chef. I can, but I can tell your listener where to go. Um, on our Safe Food website, we have um, a turkey cooking calculator. Which okay? is, yeah. It's very easy. You don't have to be a techie at all. It's literally, you choose whether it's going to be stuffed or unstuffed, and you put in your figure, you press a button, and it tells That's you exactly. It's brilliant. And it's, it's brilliant. all because, and also actually, Patricia, on the website, um, there are a number of videos there are a load of recipes, one including for turkey curry, would you believe? Uh, uh, I was on, I, well, I took a look at it yesterday. It's, an, just, yeah. it's an excellent website. It's a really good website. And the, and the section for Christmas is fantastic. Well worth a watch. Safefood.eu. Got to leave it there, Gary. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. Happy Christmas to Happy you. Happy Christmas to, all, uh, to you and all your listeners. Thanks Thank a million. Bye bye. That is uh, Dr. Gary Carney, Director of Food Science at Safe Food. Here's another Christmas hit on C103 with your local mace going the extra extra smile this Christmas and wishing you a stocking full of happiness. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your comments that have come in on issues that we were addressing in the last uh, hour. Uh, Firstly, Morris uh, was listening to my chat with Sean O'Mahony, that lovely, lovely publican from Faha in County Kerry and the pilot scheme that they've come up with of the social spins. They have a little community, a car going. And Morris by text said, if those, and I'm not using that description, but the, the two TDs, the Healyways, Danny and Michael, did something like that man that you spoke to in the last hour, if they put something like that in place in that in their area, instead of roaring and bawling above in the doll, they'd be doing some good for their own people. And then Morris goes on to make a statement saying that he's not a big fan of the Healy Ways. Uh, well done to that gentleman by the way that was uh, Sean O'Mahony lovely to listen to a man talking sense yeah I actually really enjoyed my chat with Sean and he did make so much sense didn't he and you are right he is doing something practical 
himself. He saw he's a problem, saw what the solution was and, and did something about it. So well done and let's hope and see do others follow suit. On the stuffing of the turkey and the t- cooking of the turkey, a couple of texts in on that. Uh, listen says did that man say that you can freeze the turkey when it's cold I missed that part thank you he did and that was something that I was surprised by and something I hadn't thought about doing I thought you'd use up all the turkey straight away the next few days but yes he did he said you can freeze it and then you go on to particularly the brown meat and you can go on and use it for curries or, or whatever and someone else said what was the website where you can get further details it's uh, safefood.eu and they have a kind of a special festive section loads of advice around Christmas and they have cooking suggestions and how to cook the turkey and how long to cook the turkey for if you want to go there I don't know if we're going to be getting a chef on or not I know we've done that on previous years because there does seem to be a number of questions coming in with regard to the cooking of the Christmas dinner if we can squeeze that in we will I know we are going to be doing something later on in the week around the amount of food we buy and this is to try to get all of us to stop wasting food it is one time of the year when for whatever reason we seem to go mad inside in the supermarkets with trolley loads of food as if there's never going to be a shop open again and we overbuy, we overpurchase and then what happens, things go off or you don't want to eat that and things get thrown in the bin. So let's see if we can all do our bit so that we don't waste a lot of food this year. So we will have an interview on that later on in the week. And another texter says, how long can you keep a turkey in the freezer for? Because I put mine in last night and it was dead this morning. So we're getting a little bit of festive humour into the programme today. Thank you for that to 0862103103. And Catherine says, just want to say to people Patricia don't forget who's feeding you this Christmas with those turkeys that you're talking about the vegetables the dairy products and so on so you might go easy on the farmers who are working seven days a week we know we are slow on the roads at times with our machines but we're doing our best says uh, Catherine and Catherine I'm so sorry and uh, you're not the um, there's a number of other people have said what is this pick on farmers day Patricia and we're not in any way wanting it to be pick on farmers day and if you're a regular listener to this programme you will know I'm a great advocate on behalf of farmers and we're always I know what a tough tough job farmers have and when I was talking about what happened to me yesterday it just happened to be a farmer with the trailer with the bales of hay but it is as easy could have been another large vehicle just driving too slow it's just that whole issue of driving slow and the need to pull in was what I wanted to highlight and I know other people perhaps then use that as an opportunity to bash the farmers but no I mean as I say if you were a regular listener to this programme you will know we are great advocates of uh, farmers and there was another really good before I go I know John in Ballonhasic is holding and I'm going to join him but there was another great uh, text that I saw come in from because we were talking about the slow drivers and then that led somebody to say that they saw somebody with a slurry tank yesterday and were they out spreading slurry and when is the season for spreading slurry and I did say in defence of the farmer that just because you see a slurry tank does not mean necessarily that they're spreading slurry that prompted Dick to say to the person with the slurry tank on the road would that same person be as concerned if they saw somebody buying a meat cleaver would they be going around thinking is he going to knife somebody with that meat cleaver says Dick who's again saying you can't jump to assumptions John is in Ballinhasic and he's holding uh, good morning to you John Good morning, Patricia. John, How are you? I'm very well. Happy Christmas to you. You want very to happy, you want to explain to the woman who saw the the slurry spreading that that they weren't the farmer wasn't spreading slurry yesterday. No, he could be spreading slurry, but what he's spreading is there is an exemption for spreading washed slurry, which would be in the back of a parlour while you're making the cows. 
the wash from the from the tank and the cow's manure will be in his well. You're allowed to spread that because you have to. If the tank filled up, it'd mess all over the place and you couldn't work on milk cows there. So that's possibly so, what he was doing that yesterday. possibly. And I want to make a comment now too, please, on okay. the man that didn't pull in and gag him. Yeah. That was a very arrogant thing to do because I'll tell you why. Most people, I would be very conscious, I'd always pull in because I drive tax on the road. And when you when people pass you out, they give you the hazard lights to thank you. They'd be very happy when you do that. Yeah. And there was one man in this comment there, I was, I was disgusted with him. He must be anti-farmer. He said, roads are safe without farmers. Yeah. Now, that man must realize that most farmers do, uh, uh, they do pull in and they do the best they can. And like, it's wrong to be picky on farmers because 95% of people are good. You won't get 100% of the people in there, no matter what you do. And as Catherine pointed out, uh, people who are not from rural areas and don't understand farming, you know, the farmers are the ones that are putting the food on everybody's tables this Christmas. That's right. That's right. Where would we be without them? All right, listen, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. Christmas Happy too. Christmas to you. Bye bye. That is uh, John in Bananhasic. Okay, a lot of other calls and comments coming in. Let me t- just take a quick look down. Actually, this is, you know, we're all trying to shop local and be aware, and we're talking about farmers and helping out the farming community and making sure we're buying uh, Irish. Dan in, Dan in Bananhasic uh, was on to say he was chatting to a guy over the weekend and they were discussing the farm protests and what have been happening with the farmers out protesting. And Dan said, he showed Dan a receipt from a well-known Irish supermarket who shall remain nameless and it was one of the supermarkets that showed at the end your Irish purchases a lot of the supermarkets actually are doing that and I always love to take a look at it just to see because I like to try and do where possible do my best to buy Irish products but anyway Dan said they looked at the receipt and it showed the Irish purchases he had made the chicken, the ham, the corned beef and the tartar sauce had all been imported but this person, Dan's friend, had thought they were all Irish. The only Irish products on this short shopping list that he had was the Ballygown, the water he, he, he bought and some fizzy drinks. But uh, nothing else. Isn't that? Yeah. And things that you're buying, like the chicken, the ham and the corned beef. And he's thought the tartar sauce was an Irish one and it wasn't. So, And I suppose people will say we're busy and, we're, and when you're rushing around a supermarket, are you carefully checking the labels to see what is and what isn't? coming from Ireland we like to but it's when I think it's when you get fooled particularly with meat when you buy something that looks like you know from Bally somewhere and you're thinking oh yeah that's got to be an Irish and it's got some Irish flag on and you really think it's Irish and then when you look into it it's not it, they can say produce of Ireland because it was probably packed here or something I hate when that happens that really annoys me and it, I think it's very disingenuous and it shouldn't be allowed to happen I think they should stop they should be you can only clearly put a produce of Ireland when it's actually produced in this country that's why the guaranteed Irish and those various different stickers like that are so important. Okay, what else is coming in? Magella in Domanway. Too many slow drivers on the road. Uh, we need to do something about it. I think I got to that point already. What else? Colette in Mallow says, the farmer is entitled to be on the road the same as everybody else. Time is against him. He might have been under pressure to make up time and that's why he wasn't pulling in. Colette says, by the way, she's not a farmer but if there's no beef or veg, it's because there are no farmers. The guard there should have left him alone, says Colette. One 
minute people are giving out about speeding drivers and now they're giving out about slow drivers. You can't please everybody all of the time. If the farmer would not pull in, I would say stay behind him, wait until he does pull in or you have an opportunity to pass out. But why is everybody rushing? I think in my particular case, it was the time of the day. I got the sense, could have been wrong, but it was kind of mass time. I got the sense that people were maybe heading to mass. Now that's could be completely wrong but yeah are we all too busy in our lives slow it down and take it easy Tommy McCroom says I often follow cyclists two abreast and they don't pull in either a lot of cyclists were out yesterday morning two abreast beyond McCroom and none of them were pulling in there was a queue of traffic behind them and I can add to that I don't know if it's a West Cork thing or not But there always seems to be more cyclists on the road. Maybe it's just the beautiful neck of the woods where people are lucky enough to live. But there always seems to be more cyclists and people out, you know, training for races and keeping fit in West Cork, I think, than certainly in North Cork and and East Cork. Am I right in saying that or is it just a coincidence when I just happen to be there on the weekends, there's a lot of cyclists out. I know when I was heading back yesterday afternoon, there was a line of traffic and it was one cyclist who was just, they couldn't overtake. The road was was too narrow and and I wonder, and and at that stage it was kind of mid-afternoon, people trying to head in to do shopping. And I I wondered how frustrated some of those drivers were. Uh, Paul in Clon says, is this pick on farmers morning or what? I do agree that the farmer should have pulled in yesterday. I'm a tractor driver and one I'm turning off the main road, say, for example, going right, I will indicate that the drivers behind no. But I'm telling you, they will continue to try to pass me out on the wrong side of the road. How dangerous is uh, that? People need to cop on. Noreen in Mitchellstown, those farmers are not spending say, yeah, we've got, we got that well sorted out. Thank you for that. Mar- and not different Margaret says, well done to Catherine for texting in and standing up for farmers. <laughs> That's too much. And please, we're not picking on farmers. This isn't pick on farmers uh, day. OK, what else is coming in? Eddie in Oven says, you are allowed, Patricia, to overtake a slow moving vehicle once it's safe to do so. You see, yeah, I didn't know that uh, for sure. Someone else says it is actually against the law. If there's a certain amount of vehicles held up behind you, then a tractor or trailer or any kind of a large vehicle must pull in. There are some fair, arrogant drivers out there who seem to get some kind of kick out of holding up traffic. So I say to the member of Ongar the Shiagona, book him, Dano. Remember that famous one? Hi, Patricia. I'm a tractor driver and regarding the tractor driver, uh, when we did a CPC course, we were told you can overtake on a continuous white line once it's safe to do so. Says Johnny. Okay. See, I just got afraid. I thought the guy would over overtook on the double white line when because the minute he did that it was then the guy that put on his flashing lights I thought he was going after him and you know I, in those moments I was soul searching and saying will I pull in and defend him well, <laughs> now if I'd pulled in I don't know would I, would I have gone over and locked him and said God leave him alone it's not fair and, and, and whatever in, in his defence the brave me was hoping that I would would have done it. No, I didn't have to do it because obviously then we discovered it was the it was the farmer that was being pulled in, not the driver who overtook. But it did flash through my head and said, "Will I be very brave and pull in and offer some help?" Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Okay, let's get on to some other issues that have come into us. Hi, Patricia. My granddaughter left her phone in the changing rooms in Penny's yesterday, and I would just like to take the person who thank the person who handed it in it was very honest and I love to hear honest stories 
particularly at this time of year. I think the festive season, we're always more generous, I think, at this time of year. But I also think we're very kind. We're more, we're much more kinder. And it's, and you would like to think we're always honest, but I think people are much more honest at this time of year. So I don't know who that person was, but well done. Hi, Patricia. There were roadworks near the village of uh, Drumaham on Friday uh, and they had those red barriers erected. Now they were taken apart on Friday evening and then put in near the wall t- for storage for the weekend. Unfortunately, the cable ties that had secured the barriers were strewn all over the footpath on Saturday morning. It's hard enough to keep our beautiful little village tidy and can I say a big thank you to the local community that do such a great job. Maybe the lads working on the roads today might consider picking up the cable ties behind them, please. I live in hope, says a texter to 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. A truck driver is wanted for livestock haulage that's in the Mitchellstown uh, area. While a person is required for general duties, which includes power washing, a knowledge of operating a hoist would also be an advantage. Part-time leisure attendant is wanted for High B Fitness Centre in Mallow. Applicants should hold a current swim teacher's level two qualification. You also need to have life-saving skills. And a restaurant assistant is wanted for immediate start. That's for a maternity cover in the Duhallow area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace. Going the extra smile this Christmas at the most wonderful time of the year. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. Now, Corkman Ronan Baxter made headlines across Ireland and the United Kingdom in the summer of 2005 when he disappeared from his father's home. But thanks to the amazing search by his family, Ronan was discovered safe in London many weeks later. His brother, Kieran has recalled the story in a new book called Bring Him Home, written by Kieran Baxter, who uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, to you. Is it Kieran or Kieran? No, Kieran. Kieran, good, good morning to you, Kieran. Uh, good morning to you, Patricia, and thank, thank you for having me on your show. Well, it's my absolute pleasure, and I have to say, it has been a long, long time that I have picked up such a well-written book, and I, I, I read it in one sitting. I was not able to put the book down, even though I knew there was a happy ending at the end of it. It is a fantastic read. So I want to get that out of the way first and acknowledge that because I know it's Thank the first you. book you've ever written. Yeah. So so well done. Yeah. Now, Ronan, your brother, um, had been battling mental illness at the time. Had he ever gone missing before that Sunday, when before that day that he walked out of your dad's house? He, he had lived 
Patricia, in, in London years previously, um, long, long, a long time previous. But he had been home for many, many years before he actually walked out the door that, on that particular Saturday, which was the 13th of August, 2005. Um, he, he suffered from chronic depression. And uh, at that time, he, he was in treatment or he was receiving um, medical assistance from the CUH. And um, as, as you're probably aware, having read the book, um, the CUH and, and Ronan's medical consultants decided it would be, uh, we, we agreed it would be a good idea. Uh, there was a new uh, medication after being uh, discovered, and it was called clozapine. And Ronan, it, 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 the recommendation was that Ronan would go on that new uh, medication. And we all agreed to that in the early summer of, uh, say, 2005. Um, I suppose the problem happened, the, the issues arose very shortly after we understood and we were advised that uh, once you, once Ronan was going to be transferred onto this new medication, he would remain in-house in the hospital for some, some number of weeks, uh, to make, just to make sure that there wouldn't be a reaction or to, to it and so on, so that everything would run smoothly. Uh, but very quickly, uh, within a short, very short time, uh, a hospital um, a, a medical staff uh, advised us, and particularly my father at the time, and said, look, uh, Ronan is fine. Uh, he's good to go. Um, and we had a lot of misgivings about that. And uh, there was a lot of disagreement, and a compromise was struck as we lived very close to the CUH in Bishopstone. It was agreed that um, Ronan would, would attend the hospital overnight, and he would be on day release so that he would, he would be able to walk home to his family home and to my dad in Bishopstone. Every day. And then that particular Saturday, he left your dad. He seemed to be in good form. Your dad didn't notice anything up with him, but he just didn't come home. Now, you were away and you get a phone call from your dad to say that he's missing. Your gut instinct, or maybe it was just wishful thinking, it'll be fine. He'll be, he'll be home in a day or two. Absolutely, Patricia. I think. And that's what, that was my, my whole, our whole family's instinct was, look, Ronan was an adult. At that time, he was 39 years of age. Um, we said, he'll be fine. You know, he's gone away for a weekend. He didn't have a passport. All he had was a bus pass. Um, he wouldn't have had a whole uh, a whole lot of money, to be quite frank about it. Um, and when he, we convinced ourselves, no, look, it's fine. Uh, he's probably gone to Dublin uh, for the weekend. He'll be home. Uh, we expected him home. Certainly at the end of the weekend, if not during the following week. So yeah. how many days in before you start to realise we have a major problem on our hands here? I think, I think Patricia, um, after, the first, after that weekend, when you got to Monday, you, you really begin to panic a little bit. Um, but we still, still convinced ourselves that, no, this couldn't be happening. You, know? um, you, 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 you sort of you go into a little bubble and you, and you say to yourself, no, 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 everything will be fine. Everything will. It's nearly like you're, you're trying to convince yourself, or we were trying to convince ourselves that we didn't really have a problem. But by the end of the, the, the first week and by the, the, say, the following weekend, which was the weekend of the 20th of August, and when Ronan hadn't come home, we knew we had a serious problem then. And that's and, when the, the, the Baxter clan, you're like the Brady Bunch, you, <laughs> all, you all kicked in and decided 
You've, you've, you've a great family unit I have to say it's, it's, it's incredible so you all kick in family meetings are held at your dad's and, and you do, you're going to do this you're going to do this you'll contact this person yeah. and you start your search in Ireland because you really were convinced that he hadn't left the country Oh absolutely there was, there was no question in our minds that he could have left the country Patricia so um, I suppose initially during the first week uh, my sisters now would be very, very organised. Obviously, came we came together as a family and we started print posters. And we had these posters uh, ready, say, by Wednesday of, of the first week when, when Ronan had, had, um, had just vanished, really, on that, on that particular Saturday. And we started, by the end of the first week, we started putting up posters. Now, that's, that's a huge... Um, what's the word? It, it's a huge thing to do because... What you're doing really is you're putting out these posters, and the, let's be honest, like there's a, there's, there is a mental, there's a stigma to mental illness in in this country, and particularly in 2005. Yeah, I don't think it's as bad today, but we're talking it's a different era, you know, yeah. 2005. Yeah, yeah. It might you know that's only 14 years ago, but it was yeah. a different time. Yeah, and you're so putting we, up these posters, so you're you're very much saying what's going on in Roland's yeah. world and in your own yeah. world. Yeah, 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 and. Um, I, by by the first weekend, Patricia, I think by the, the following weekend, that, that, that weekend of the 20th, we knew we had a problem. That we knew it would be a serious problem. And getting the media on board to share the story, again, as a family, it's a tough thing to have to do, to have to you know, tell the media this story. But that was crucial, wasn't it? And so important. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had a, a good friend in college, a guy called Tony Quilter, who, who was in the guards and he was quite high up in the guards and I, I, I we, we agreed as a family that I would ring Tony and ask for his advice and he was a rock in terms of the advice and the guidance that he gave us uh, during those weeks and um, he he eventually said uh, the guards obviously uh, Ronan had been reported missing uh, my dad actually reported Ronan missing uh, the, follow, the, the following day after the 13th. He was My dad was that worried about him that he reported him on the 14th just as a precaution. So Tony, um, who was this friend who was involved with the guards, uh, came to me at the end of the, the, the second week. And um, as a family, he said, look, he said, lads, that there's no trace of Ronan. Uh, you're going to have to go to the media and look for assistance here and make an appeal for help. And ultimately, um, that was a huge factor in finding Ronan at the end of the day. Huge uh, factor. And then at what point did London become a possibility? Well, you think what, what has actually happened in, would you be in the first, during the first week, we had looked at, as a family, we, we, we divided out between ourselves and we, 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 we looked at all the CCTV footage in the uh, bus stations, in the train stations, and we even looked in the airport, so we did. So we said, look, um, even though Ronan doesn't have a passport, the only place he might go might be London. So we looked at the CCTV footage for the London flight um, on that Saturday afternoon. And um, the, so we were, and all of that CCTV footage, we, we had made numerous phone calls to all the hotels, hostels, Dublin, Limerick, Galway, all over the country, and everything drew a blank. Everything. Uh, so um, it was, as I say, uh, Tony came out to the family home on one particular evening, Tony Quilter, and he said, look, he said, you've no choice. Go to the media. Uh, you, you, you've no choice in this. You're going to have to make an appeal for help. 
And that was that was fairly daunting, Patricia. It was uh, daunting for all of us as a family and particularly for my dad. Obviously. I know, so, I know. Uh, and it was because of that, uh, that and I don't want to give the whole book away because it's excellent but it was because of that that somebody spotted it um, and then led you to believe that he, what he had seen rolling at the Cork Airport and then you realised we're looking in the wrong country and then you head over to London and there was yeah. just a series of things then that happened I mean the trip to Scotland Yard was just soul uh, destroying but blagging yeah. your way into the Irish Embassy was just a stroke of genius <laughs> on your behalf yeah, well, do you know what? Um, my father used to say, "Blood is thicker than water," you know. And you, you, do, you, you go, you do things that you, you deem necessary. We were just on a mission at this point in time, um, Patricia. It, it, the task was like looking for a needle in a haystack, yeah. and we were going to do anything, anything that we possibly could just to make that task a little bit easier. And one of the things we decided to do was just bluff our way into the Irish Embassy. And, man, and thank God we managed to we managed to get to sit down with the uh, Irish press attaché, guy called Ray Walker, who was a huge help to us that afternoon. Huge help to us, you know. And again, it was the media that helped here, the Irish Post newspaper, putting Ronan on the front page. Yeah, before... We we just did when we found when we discovered that Ronan hadn't gone to London. There was no point in just jumping on a plane and going going to to look for Ronan. So we did in the in in the days before we actually went. We did a lot of groundwork to get things ready to make sure that we had the right contacts in place. And one of those uh, contacts was a lady called Anne Diamond in, in the, uh, the Irish Post, which is one of the most um, widely read newspapers among the Irish community in London. And um, she agreed. Uh, to do a front page article on Ronan. She brought a photographer and everything with us, with her photograph, uh, my, my brother, myself, Martin, who had been in London looking for Ronan at this stage, um, photographed both of us in front of Scotland Yard. And ultimately, that was, that again was to be crucial. And it was just lucky. We, we, we were extremely lucky. Especially. And that's woven throughout the book. There are these series of people being in the right place at the right time for you yeah. and yeah. the kindness of strangers. And, yeah. you know, and your mother, I have to yeah. say, I yeah. felt your mother is woven through that whole story and she was with she you. Was. Yeah, yeah. And you, yeah. you would lost your mother through cancer, yeah. and and she left these amazing letters for Correct. for yeah. all yeah, of yeah. her children. She died at a very young age. She died when she was forty eight, and um, that we there was we're a very large family. There's seven of us in the family, um, so that was a huge blow to to us, you know, a huge blow. And um, I she she left each of us a letter, um, she, which she wrote on her deathbed, which basically. In a nutshell, said, "Look, you look after us. Look after each other above all else. Above all else." And I honestly believe, uh, to this day, that she was looking after us and looking over us when we were in London, and, and even when we were looking for Rodan in Ireland. There's no question about it, uh, yeah. because we were extremely, extremely lucky. I, I 100% agree. If people don't believe in spirituality and people from the other side yeah. helping out, read this book yeah. because it's just, it's um, there was too many coincidences of people being in the right place at the right time. Somebody yeah, somewhere was working for you. Yeah, and the help we got along the way was just incredible, incredible. Um, and as as you know, um, there was a, a particular lady picked up the Irish Post and walked to the um, walked walked to the. She went to the local shop to get the early edition of the, the the Irish Post and was walking walking back 
and it was a photograph and description of Rona and ourselves and she she saw this guy at a Silver Hall Park in London and um, just thank God for, for that she decided she'd ring the police he was actually trying to light fire just to keep himself warm at that particular point in time and she, she made that call and the rest all the pieces of jigsaw fell into place thereafter. It was just And then you, you get the call and, and you've got to jump jump in a, in a taxi. Lay, laying eyes on Ronan that day, yeah, Kieran. Uh, what, what did that feel like? Usher, uh, he and Ronan had broken down at this stage. Uh, he, he, um, you see, Ronan, there was two, two police officers uh, were passing in a, in a police car in London and they, they took the call from Hounslow uh, Police Station and they couldn't, uh, they stopped Ronan, but they couldn't arrest him because Ronan had done absolutely nothing wrong. But at this at this stage, uh, through the work that we had, that we had completed earlier in the week, uh, Hounslow knew, Hounslow Police Station knew that we were in London looking for Ronan, which is another story uh, as to how that happened. But um, uh, so when we arrived, when, 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 the, when the police arrived first, Ronan, the, the police officers told Ronan completely broke down when they told him that your brothers are here in London looking for you. And we arrived and obviously he broke down and to be honest, we broke down as well. And I think the two police officers um, just stood back and uh, lovely guys, both Scottish guys working in London as police officers just stood back and said, wow, this yeah. does not happen. No, uh, too often. So many. So as you know from your visit to Scotland Yard that day, so many people go missing in London and and they're and they're never found. And and has the whole thing, Kieran, changed your view and attitude towards homeless people? Absolutely, completely, completely. And that's that's one of the reasons. It's one thing to, to to write this book. It was another thing to actually publish it, Patricia. And I have to say that decision had to be made by the whole collective family because we were bringing this back story back out. And we, as a family, we decided, OK, if we're going to do it, if we're going to publish it, let it be for a good cause. And the obvious one was Cork Penny Dinners. It was the obvious one. It, it, and that's why, we, that's why we published the book, to be quite frank about it, um, for A, for Cork Penny Dinners. Uh, because of the work that they do and to try and support them and be possibly, just maybe, the story in this book might give another family some glimmer of hope or inspiration or courage if they find themselves in the same uh, predicament that we found ourselves in. And you know? do, do you find, I mean, I was at the weekend having read your book and then I was, there's a, there's a couple from somewhere up the country missing, it's a husband and wife team missing together. Right. And, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I thought of you and the rest of your family thinking every time somebody goes missing, there must be a bit of you think things back yeah. to what happened in, in 2005. And, and my heart goes out to them, yeah. uh, because I know the feeling. You just don't sleep. You don't sleep. It's hard to describe. Um, you, you lie in bed every every night and your mind is just uh, going round and round and round. Well, it was in my case, anyway, in our family's case, uh, trying to figure out what are we missing? Uh, what is the link that we're missing? Where could he have got to? You're just lying there and this is going churning and churning in your mind and you're just waiting for dawn to come so you can start again and, and start looking again and start start working on it again, you know? it's um, My heart goes out to those people. It really does. And how is Ronan doing today? He's great. Is he? yeah. He's good. I, um, we don't take that for granted, but he is—he's very good. And uh, 
we, we launched, the book was launched um, by my family uh, on the Friday, 29th of November. And um, Ronan attended the launch and he was delighted to attend. Was he, it insisted, he insisted to, in, in attending the launch. Yeah, because so, obviously you, you, it was Ronan's decision as well that the book would, would be would oh, be published. Uh, which is, it's it's terrific. It's it, it's a really great book. Um, and it's, it's your first time writing. You've got, you've got, you've a great way of with well, the pen, would would you, well, would you do it again? Uh, I might, I might, but I have to say, no, I I, I did get a help from a lady, and I must mention her, Kim Arnold, in the end, who 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 was a great help to, just to finish and nail the book in the end. She was great. Um, uh, she's a freelance editor in, um, in 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 Kerry. So if anybody is looking for just a bit of advice and guidance, and she was great. She gave me a lot of advice and good advice and guidance. Um, but uh, no, it, 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 you know, it, we just felt we're in a, we're a fairly ordinary family, Patricia, and we felt we had an extraordinary story to tell. You and did. Uh, we said, you know what, it's worth telling. It's well, worth absolutely. Telling. Where where is the book available from? People are asking. It, it's um, at the moment it's available in Waterstones from Waterstones in Cork and Hodges Figures in Dublin, and okay. it's, it's it's selling very well. Thank God. As as I say, it's for a great cause. And it's called Bring Bring Him Home, the search for Ronan yeah, by uh, Kieran Baxter. And yeah. the Bring Him Home was your dad, what your dad said to you. Absolutely, absolutely. Bless those his words, heart. Those words just ripped through my heart that, that particular evening. So that is, you know. And you've lost your dad since? We did, but, yeah. you know, my dad had a good life. He, he, he lived till he was 88 and we had brought Ronan home and they... Obviously, that that made him so happy, and he had, he had many good years with Ronan after. Fantastic! Uh, after we brought him home, so you know, it, well, it, it it's a happy ending story. Right. Well, well, well done to you once again. Congratulations! It's it's a great read, and uh, thank you for taking time out to talk to us and today. One, one last thing, Patricia, if I could just say thank you to to the publisher, just to mention that Orla Kelly, who was thrown herself into this project with all sorts of enthusiasm and energy she's been fabulous okay. so, thank, you, thank you for having me on your show my pleasure God bless mind yourself thank take you. care bye 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 that is uh, Kieran Baxter and uh, the book is called Bring Him Home Cork Today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade open every weekend until Christmas get weekly news event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie from Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between. We've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Nora listening to my chat uh, with Kieran Baxter about his missing brother and the book they wrote uh, said Patricia how long was Ronan actually missing for he went missing on the 13th of August and they got the phone call they were actually in London Kieran and his brother Martin on the 6th of September so for almost a month 
he was missing. Now, it, they don't get into detail then after that and then he went to hospital. I don't know how long he he remained in hospital in, in England until he was well enough to, to come home. But for the family, it went on from August 13th until September 6th. An absolute nightmare. And that's the one thing that really comes through uh, in the book. It's excellent. OK, we need to take a break. I have a lot of commentary coming in. I will get to all your comments. I promise you that. Uh, so we'll take a look at the texts and the calls that have come in since 10 o'clock this morning and also in the next hour we've got Annalise Drussell our nutritional therapist if you've got a question for Annalise get those into us please 1850 directly through to John Paul or you can text her WhatsApp 0862103103 Cork Today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration festive food and fun the Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade visit Glow open every weekend until Christmas. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Before I take a look at your calls and comments coming in uh, to the programme on issues we've been discussing this morning, Harry is wondering why TDs and Senators can't pay for their own Christmas cards like the rest of us. And Harry is talking about a story that's in all of the papers uh, today and it is to do with the number of items that have been printed at the Oroctus printing facilities. I can give you figures if you're looking for them. 271,250 personalised calendars. It's for TDs and senators. And 34,452 what's been described as bespoke Christmas cards. And this is details that have been released under the Freedom of, in- of Information. Uh, what struck me was way more calendars than Christmas cards. So they obviously prefer to hand out calendars TDs and Senators then send Christmas cards or are they posting out the calendars? I'm not sure. Now, it does seem when you dig down into the actual figures, more than a quarter of all the calendars were ordered by the independent TD for Tipperary. That's uh, Seamus Healy. He, it's a free printing facility, by the way. That's what Harry is taking umbrage to. He produced 70,000 of the calendars in 2018. Huge, huge figure. And then they bandy around other names like Niall Collins and Timmy Dooley. The Fianna Fáil TDs who were both sacked from the party's front bench over the recent Dáil voting controversy, they ordered 50,000 calendars. This is in 2018, so we're assuming that they probably did the same for this year. The Taoiseach Leo Varadkar was among 33 Rockthis members who used the printing facility to produce Christmas cards last year, while 26 members used it to print calendars during the same period. And then a lot of the papers go down to various different naming. I can't find any local ones, so we always try and if there's any of, any of our Cork ones mentioned. I can't seem to see any of the Cork ones. They're probably there somewhere in the list. And the cost involved in printing the cards and calendars, such as the paper and the ink, was just under €10,000. So it wasn't that expensive. And I know 10000 is a lot of money. But I thought for the amount of calendars and bespoke Christmas cards that were produced, I thought they did well for the uh, 10000 Now you'd have to add in other costs, such as pay for the staff and the graphic designers, those figures weren't available. So the 10,000 figure is purely for the paper and the ink that it took to print the calendars and to print the uh, cards. And they are entitled to it, by the way. But one Oireachtas member, the Fianna Fáil Senator Terry Layden, he printed 500 calendars last year. But 
do you know what? He decided he'd pay for them himself and he said, and I quote from Terry Layden, I thought they were quite useless, frankly speaking. He said, I didn't want the bother of having to explain why I got 500 calendars. But he said he would neither encourage nor discourage his colleagues from following his example of personally covering the cost of printing the calendars or the Christmas cards. He said, I never give advice to other Oireachtas members. It's a matter for themselves. Judge not and thou shalt not be judged, he said. But he decided because he knew that there, there would be stick and that somebody under freedom of information would find out how many calendars and Christmas cards were allotted to him under the free printing that exists. So he decided, no, I couldn't be done with the hassle of it all. So if anybody comes to question me, I'll have a receipt to say I paid for my own. But he seemed to be the only one who did pay for his own. And of course, the cost of printing facilities for TDs has been very much in the spotlight. And that's because of the controversy surrounding the new printer, which, by the way, hasn't printed a Christmas card or a calendar yet. It's still not operating. And at the weekend, there was figures out and about saying that the cost of that printer when it is up and running is expected to be almost two million. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing because it's not funny uh, but it's rising. It start, It was 800,000 to buy the printer and it's been going up and up since and the latest figure says it will be close. It was a three, 1.3 million I think when we first started talking about it and then another half a million got added, added on and some more got added on and now it's close to the two million mark and I also heard at the weekend and I'd love to have this verified that seemingly they're going to go back to the printer, to the company that they bought the printer from to say now, having got the printer, could they get a bit of money off? Which to me is utterly ridiculous. It isn't the company that they bought the printer from. None of this add-on costs is anything to do with that company. That company sold them a printer in good faith. Somebody in civil servant I'm assuming took a look at the needs of the printer spotted this printer decided this was the top dog this is the one we want went for it then nobody of course took the tape measure out and measured the new printer which by the way the company had sent over all the details of what the height and the width and the spec and what size room you need for this printer so that wasn't the company's fault so I think I'm hoping, I'm really am hoping that when I heard they were going to go back and see could they get a few bob off it so to reduce the costs of it. I'm hoping in some way that that's a Waterford Whisper story and that it's just a bit of a joke or an urban myth because I just think it would be humiliating for anyone to go back to the company because it's really nothing to do with them. Anyway, that's what the Christmas cards and if you are getting a bespoke Christmas card from your TD or a calendar, that's where the costs of that come from. Okay, let me look at some of your calls coming into the programme. Christine O'Sullivan is in Glengariff um, and I'm told Christine is celebrating her 30th birthday today. Happy birthday to you Christine. Uh, she works in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry and I'm told they always listen to C103 and all of her family want to wish her happy birthday and no doubt the gang at the Maritime Hotel in Bantry are looking after Christine well even though she's at work on her birthday but I'm sure they're making a fuss of her and it's a special birthday, her 30th. Happy birthday to you Christine, have fun. And Thomas in Mitchellstown wants to raise another issue. And this is to do with the number of people who are living in rural versus urban areas. He said, we're always saying that the government... That all this government, previous governments, that they're always trying to move people into urban areas and into the cities and get them out of the rural areas. Well, 
Thomas is convinced now that that is true because the latest report from the CSO, the Central Statistics Office, show the number of people living in rural areas fell in the sixth year, six years up to 2016. That's when the, the last census was taken. While there was an increase in the population in urban areas, the Central Statistics Office figures, which are out today, show a decline of 0.6% in the population of remote and what they describe as highly highly rural areas between 2011 and 2016. However, in the same period, there was a rise of over 5% in the numbers living in independent urban towns. The Central Statistics study on urban and rural life in Ireland shows a third of the population now live in cities, which doesn't uh, surprise me at all. But what's interesting is, okay, the decrease in the rural areas is 0.6%. We don't know if all of them ended up going into cities or towns. Some of them could have left the country completely. But isn't it interesting the rise on the other side in the urban towns is 5%. That's people coming back into this country to live. It's also new migrants coming into this country and of course it's births as well. And what's happening is because we're all living longer, thank God, and that's, uh, that's good news. And babies are being born so we're, our population is going up. I was reading a piece actually that we're getting, we will be within a certain period of time, I don't know how many years it is, we will be back to the figures that we were at uh, pre the famine and we've been nowhere near that since the famine. So the population of this country is rising all the time which is probably all the more reason why we need the farmers to be producing the food that we need. Let me go back to the farmers just some of the calls still coming in we're still getting reaction on this. John and Donnerell says we have them, they don't have to be farmers we have them. Oh this is slow drivers sorry, and slow drivers. We have slow drivers, they don't, they're not all farmers says John. What I cannot make out is when people are on about cyclists because John says I'm a cyclist myself but if you're driving on a motorway there's a big sign up when you enter a motorway saying no cyclists alive allowed. He said I've come across cyclists particularly on the motorway in Limerick. Can't understand it but he said it's so worrying because it's so dangerous. He said if you get a crosswind that person has taken off their bike and is blown across the road. Who's at fault then? The person that knocks them down? It really is a crazy situation. He also feels he's in support of tractor drivers. He reckons 99.9% of them do pull in truck drivers the same. But he says it's slow drivers in cars that can be the ones that cause the most problems. You're driving along. There can be 20 cars behind them and they will never pull in. And then when you do get the opportunity to overtake them and you give them that death glare. He said you'll see them holding the steering wheel and they're almost hugging the white line and they're gripping onto the steering wheel. Um, so he says uh, that's that's a big that's a problem that we have at the moment that's just slow drivers it's nothing at all to do with uh, farmers Timmy and Donnerwell says Patricia while you're on about slow driving and traffic would you have any cure for the traffic in and around Mallow the hold up from Rathduff to Mallow every evening and then around Mallow Town it can be 20 minutes to get from Rathduff to Mallow Town nobody is pulling in I don't agree with holding up traffic but there has to be a huge amount of slow driving drivers on the road and we have no choice we have no other roads to go to and the traffic is almost at a snail's pace is that down to slow driving I know there was the issue when the bridge the northbound bore of the bridge was closed I know there was an issue with the traffic but it, it, it was bad again this morning but I think it was bad this morning 
coming out of Mallow was because of icy stretches on roads. You see, icy stretches on roads, all you need is to get one section that's icy, it slows everybody down and then the traffic just builds up behind. There isn't a lot more you can do. On cyclists versus motorists, Tom in Formoy says... If a cyclist has tax and insurance, he's helping to pay for the economy. But the fact is, cyclists don't. The guard, the the driver does. And by the way, says Tom, the guard that had little to do stopping the man on that tractor yesterday. Why doesn't he go around and start pulling in cyclists instead? And Joe in McCroom says, listening to your comments, Patricia, on the guy driving the tractor yesterday. A lot of people are talking about it, saying it is pick on Farmers Day. People are farmers at the end of the day. But people here are missing the point. The main reason that you're highlighting it and we're talking about it is because the guy driving the tractor did not pull in. He led a build-up of traffic behind him and it was up to the guard then to intervene. The fact was a driver held up traffic. It wasn't an attack on farmers. It was an attack on drivers. Why are farmers being so sensitive today regarding driving? It's a driving issue rather than a farming issue. And that's from Joe in McCroom. Thank you for that, uh, Joe. OK, on WhatsApp. Never mind the slow driver, says this texter. It's the fact that they have little or no lights on them, particularly at dusk. It's almost impossible to see them. Put that message out to people. Will people please light up? Regarding the man saying we'd be better off without farmers, says another texter. What about the time of the bad snow and the ice? People were damn glad of farmers coming out uh, to help them in their hour of need with their tractors. And what about all the jobs and the food generated by farmers? People need to become more aware says a texter. Another texter says Hi Trisha, the tractor thing happened to me in the summer on the Glenville Road on a sunny Sunday. There was a load of bales and they weren't tied down. I was driving behind. I really was frightened. I thought one of them was going to roll off. And by the way, there was loads of opportunity for that particular farmer to pull into a gateway and he didn't. I could see cars behind me were getting fed up and were getting very frustrated and many were taking chances and were overtaking when they couldn't see ahead. It was an absolute nightmare. I stayed put, didn't move. Eventually he turned right into his farm gate. But my bigger fear was I was worried that something was going to fall off the load. Okay. At some of your calls and texts coming in to uh, us. Um, one more on this. Martin in Formoy, would you please tell those people who are on about farmers to give it a rest? I'm not a farmer, but come on people, leave them alone. We all know farmers drive slow. So why all of a sudden are you giving farmers a hard time? Get a life, people, and cop on to yourselves, says Martin in Formoy. And Tim says, how many important men and yummy mummies are driving with one hand on the wheel and holding a mobile phone at the same time? How many of them never indicate you want to have a pick on day? There's a lot of other people you could be picking on. OK. 1850-333-103. All right, lines are open. John Paul is taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to 0862 103 103. And can anybody help out Mary here? When we were talking about the cooking of the turkey, we actually got some questions in that actually actually 
Dr. Gary Carney, who joined us as a food scientist. He's not a chef, so he couldn't answer a lot of the cooking questions. He's He was on about the science behind the cooking of the turkey. That's why we had him on the programme uh, today. But Mary wants to know, is it possible to make garlic potatoes in advance and freeze them? And what other foods would she be able to do in advance? Now, I'm assuming that Mary is cooking the Christmas dinner. I don't know for how many people. And she's trying to prep in advance. So some stuff that you can have done put it in the freezer and then take it out in the morning, defrost it and reheat it and it's ready to go. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm sure we've got some wonderful chefs and cooks listening to us Some people that have been cooking a Christmas dinner for many, many, many years. Can you make garlic potatoes in advance and freeze? If anybody can offer Mary advice on that. And would you have suggestions of anything else? for the? Now we're talking about the Christmas dinner, the extra dinner itself. Is there anything else that Mary can do in advance to take pressure off herself on the day that she can actually cook, prepare, cook and freeze and then just pull it out on Christmas Day. If anyone does the Christmas dinner that way and you would like to pass on your tips to Mary, she'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, please. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And here's one. If you want all the tips and advice for Christmas, I suggest you head to Ahaki. Kira Community Centre tomorrow night, Tuesday at 8 o'clock because Tastes of Christmas, a celebration of Christmas Day cooking with celebrity chef Frank Moynihan will take place at the Ahakira Community Centre tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. The Blood Transfusion Service Board have got donor clinics going on in Bandon this week. Tomorrow, Tuesday, they're between 5pm and 8.30 and then on Wednesday, 3 to 5 in the afternoon and again 7 to 9 on Wednesday night. Coon Vera Fernarns are holding their annual Christmas concert and fair this coming Thursday. Doors will open at half past two in the afternoon with a cake sale and much more. The concert starts at half four and all are welcome. And Kinsale and District Alliance Club, they're holding their Christmas swim. It's a native local charities and it's a great time to catch up with friends and family, even if you are not brave enough to take part yourself. And the Christmas Day swim in Court McSherry takes place in Broad Strand at 12 noon. Proceeds are in aid of COPE and the Cystic Fibrosis Children's Unit at CUH. Anyone else, by the way, that's got Christmas swims or Christmas runs on, make sure you make contact with us so we can put it onto the community diary and we can plug your event for you. You can email the details to info at c103.ie. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace. Going the extra smile this Christmas and wishing you a stocking full of happiness. Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel, and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. My favourite thing about Glow is going into Bishop Lucy Park and then afterwards going out to get a hot chocolate in the market. Cork at Christmas is amazing. I love going to the markets and everything. Crepes and mini donuts and then heading on to the Ferris wheel. Join C103 for the return of Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade every weekend until December 22nd. Take a family trip to town and explore Bishop Lucy Park magically lit by Doucher puppets and transformed into a Christmas wonderland where Santa is bringing the National Elf Test Centre. Take in the beautiful City views from the Ferris wheel. The Ferris wheel! 
Indulge at the food markets and enjoy festive entertainment. Tis the season to visit Glow at the Grand Parade. Presented by Cork City Council, The Echo and C103. A reminder to people living in the Dunmanway area who has no one to spend Christmas dinner with that the Dunmanway Community Christmas Dinner is being held again this year. It's in Cox's Hall on Christmas Day and they serve dinners from 11. Our festivities get underway from 11 o'clock onto 3 in the afternoon. If you would like to attend or you know somebody who would like a Christmas dinner, somebody who's not going to have a Christmas dinner on Christmas Day this year in the Dunmanway area, can you give Joe a call? Call at 85 And by the way, there's transport. If anyone needs it, if you're in the Domanway area, you'd like to go along and you've no way of getting to Cox's Hall, give Joe a buzz and they can organise a lift to get you there and home as well. It's a wonderful, wonderful initiative and well done. They are the most amazing volunteers behind that Dunmanway Community Christmas Dinner uh, who give up their time and they just, we, we spoke with Joe on the programme last week or the week before. She talks about how everybody really enjoys that they're, they're a mighty, mighty bunch and uh, well done. And staying on the Christmas theme, Donald in Ballydesmond, this is just a word of warning to any male out there who is thinking of popping the question this Christmas. Donald has asked me to mention that a wife is for life not just for Christmas and to think careful before you propose <laughs> came in by WhatsApp the strangest things people contact us about OK Catherine in oh and the other one that we're getting a lot of commentary before I get to Kathleen and Bantry that we're getting a lot of calls and I had some texts in about this this is to do with a letter that's been sent out from the credit union in Formoy Synergy Credit Union there's a letter being issued to members to say that they are no longer paying out the death benefit grant it's been discontinued by the credit union the same issue came up when we were dealing with credit unions in West Cork Skibbereen Bandon and we got on to Skibbereen Bandon at the time and they told us it's an insurance issue it's a cost uh, issue and they've had to finish the death benefit there's a number of credit unions at Grona Broher certainly got a lot of I saw a lot in the media about Grona Broher because there was a lot of members in Grona Broher very upset about the death grant being finished. But now the latest to add to what seems to be a long list, I wonder will there be any credit union branches anywhere in the country left paying out a death benefit it's more to do with the cost of it and the insurance uh, behind it we've contacted Synergy Credit Union just to let people know you can stop calling us on it though because we're getting the same call and the same text in from people we are aware of it and thank you to people who drew our attention to it and we're seeing if we can uh, get something back from Synergy Credit Union if we get it back before the close of the programme we will bring it to you but I imagine it is going to be a similar explanation it's a cost issue or it's an insurance uh, issue we await their reply. And Kathleen Bantry has a word of warning to people. She got a call from a number that looked like a Waterford telephone number, which is 051. Is that what Waterford is? Anyway, she picked it up and the call claimed to be from Revenue. The guy said that she was entitled to a refund of €500. Euro. She said she knew immediately that it was a scam and she said, I won't tell you what I said to him. But her problem is she was dealing with a place in Waterford before. So she was waiting or she was dealing with a company in Waterford. So she, when she saw this missed call on her phone, she thought it was from the company in Waterford. So she rang them back, but she doesn't know if she's been charged or not yet. Now, if you can prove that it is an actual Waterford number, I can't see how you would have been called. Most of those callback scams operate slightly differently. 
it's you get through to you don't engage with anyone you get through to what is an answering machine and normally the, the whole idea is that they want you to stay on the phone onto this answering machine and the longer you stay on you're on a premium line and when you check the number the number can be in Aruba or it can be somewhere in South America or it might be somewhere in Russia and it's a premium call but when you actually get through to a physical person who's talking to you that's a different type of scam that's a scam whereby they're trying to get your bank details from you so I would say and if it was definitely just a Waterford number you got through to I would say that that's just the scam where they're trying to get your details from you but if it was if, it, if you can actually find out that it is a genuine Waterford number I would be passing that number on to the Gardaí and let them look into it for you but I, I would be quite confident that you're not going to get billed anything on your phone bill but let us know when your phone bill comes in please. Mary in Mallow says could the council do something about the Spa Road out of Mallow heading towards Formoy there's a break in the ditch as Mary describes it and there's a stream coming out of it could they put a crash barrier up please and get it sorted as it is an accident waiting to happen says Mary in Mallow and Helen in McCroom was on to say the square in McCroom is still very icy whoa at half twelve in the day she said uh, be careful if you're walking very icy particularly outside of the town hall okay I'm going to take a break because we have Annalise Dressel, a nutritional therapist, coming up on the programme next. If you've got a question for Annalise, 1850 333 103. If you want to text our WhatsApp, 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. I've got all your festive favourites from Wham, Band-Aid and the Pogues. It's the most wonderful time. TV chef Kevin Dundon pops in with a Christmas dessert idea. Is it good, Kevin? I'll tell Unbelievably good. More of Santa's Christmas calls. Do you want cookies or mince pie? It's going to be good, isn't it? Absolutely. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cork 
Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Um, and Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig uh, joins me. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon. Uh, and you are very welcome. Okay, straight in with questions for Annalise. If you have a question, you can jump all, take your calls 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, Carmel got in her question nights and early this morning. Let me get to that. A question for Annalise, please. Um, could Annalise recommend anything for puritis? I have it ages, can't get rid of it. It's particularly bad in bed at night thanking you and I had to Google it that's an itch isn't it? Yes it's kind of like an itch with itch, and a lot of the time with, there's no rash so it's just pure itch under the skin Ooh. very hard Patricia to know what the cause of that is um, and I have had a lot of customers over the years that have got that rash and in some cases it's actually a side effect of medication that they're taking if you read down into the small print so for this listener, if they've recently changed medication or started a new medication, or even if they've been on a medication for a long time and have been switched over to a generic, it's possibly that's what the cause could be. So check that out first. Um, the next thing then, I suppose, would be to take an antihistamine. Now, if you, if you take an antihistamine from the pharmacy and it works, then natural antihistamines would be the way to go if you don't want to continue to take the pharmaceutical-based ones. So the natural antihistamines would be things like um, quercetin, which is spelled Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. Also, nettle, stinging nettle is wonderful for anything itchy and any puritis um, stinging nettle. It's actually almost counterintuitive if you think mm. about it, because when you get a nettle sting, it stings and men can get itchy. But there is um, there is chemicals in stinging nettle that can help as natural antihistamines. Vitamin C is also a lovely natural antihistamine. So, and bromelain is another one that's very good as an anti-inflammatory if you do have a rash with it. So if you go into your local health shop, there will be um, blends that will have some or all of those ingredients in there. Um, The other thing as well then is to look at the washing powder that you're using on your sheets and also stop using fabric conditioner. So uh, fabric conditioner, I know people love using it on their their sheets because it makes them soft. Think of what fabric conditioner does. It's pure chemicals. And it actually sticks to the fibres of the uh, material and it's rubbing up against your skin. And it's for people with sensitive skin, it causes a huge amount of skin problems. So ditch the fabric conditioner. Just add in a few drops of essential oils into your wash and you'll get lovely, fresh smelling um, natural essential oil smell from your clothes without the chemicals. And you put them, you put it into the washing machine, the essential oils? Yeah, I put it in with my... Um, my washing powder washer. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I use the natural fabric wash, and uh, I just would put a few drops in with that. And you or get you the put, scent. You get the. You get the scent. Yeah, yeah you get. Now, it, um, you'd probably need to put in quite a few drops if you want it to be very strong smelling. Mm. I know that that's one of the nice things about the fabric conditioner is that clean smell. I love it. Yeah, um, particularly on bed bed linen, your duvet covers, and that is gorgeous. It is, yeah. it is lovely, but I think if you've sensitive skin, it's yeah, a no, it's, no. yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sarah says, somebody who's on warfarin. If you're on warfarin, can you take sage, and is it available in capsule form, and do you get it at the health shops? Um, so yes, sage is safe to take if you're on warfarin. Warfarin is a blood thinning medication, so the ones that wouldn't be safe with uh, any blood thinning medication are one a natural r- remedies that thin the blood. So you'd be looking at things like ginkgo biloba, fish oils, turmeric extract. 
um, they would all help thin the blood as well and garlic which are great things for healthy people because it makes your blood beautifully runny and not sticky but not good if you're already on a blood uh, blood thinner so sage is perfectly safe you can get it in the health shop and it can come in drop form or tablets capsule form whatever suits um, you to take they're all equally as good Okay, Eilish Indomamwe has Graves disease, the overactive type. Now, she has had uh, surgery. Her problem now is she's having terrible cramps in her legs and hands. She is taking magnesium and she's on Elthroxin as she has a thyroid gland uh, issue. What would Annalise suggest that she could take from the health shop from a natural form to deal with the cramps? She said sometimes the cramps can see so bad at night that she actually can't get out of the bed with the spasm of the cramps that sounds dreadful yeah that sounds fairly extreme and it's just in her hands so now magnesium is wonderful no it's in her legs legs and hands oh legs and hands yeah. as well um, so the magnesium is one of the, the first options for relieving cramps so um, it's very good for muscle spasms um, for this this tends to be, this this case here is a little bit more complicated because there's a lot of other stuff going on Sometimes cramping can be a result as well of a deficiency of coenzyme Q10. And that's always a great one to take as well if you're low in energy. Now, it's an expensive supplement to get. And the cheaper ones you buy, unfortunately, you don't absorb them very well. So you do have to spend, and they'll cost about 30 euros a month for a good quality one. But anybody who is on a statin that gets cramps, that can often be down to a deficiency of coenzyme Q10 because the cholesterol drug, the statins, make you deficient in this by stopping your own body's ability to make it. So for this listener, um, the first thing I would suggest is make sure that she's trying a magnesium that's very easily absorbed, like a magnesium glycinate. So ask for that in the health shop and then try the coenzyme Q10. And if either of those aren't working, there's something else more complex going on. So she'd be very welcome to call in Patricia and I could ask uh, a lot more questions. But maybe consider as well that it might be structural. Is there a nerve trapped somewhere that's uh, that's blocking the feeling going down? And that's why she's getting cramping. OK, Mary in Clonakilty, I think it was listening to you talking about the itch with the other listener. She recently changed a product that she was using for washing her clothes and she developed an itch with no ra- rash and is wondering was changing the brand to the cause. I think that's exactly, exactly yeah, what it be. is. It could be, Patricia. The only way to know really is to rewash all your clothes again um, and stop using that particular brand. So um, I think, you know, if you want, there's lots of natural ones that you can get that are really good for the environment as well. Ecover, Lilies is my own personal favourite brand. They're an Irish company as well, so I love always to support Irish companies. And the Lilies brand, actually, they do excellent um, cleaners for the house as well. The degreaser is one of my favourite products my mother said she'd never gotten her floor so clean in, in the last <laughs> 10 years she's black tiles a bad decision right. um, so the first time she I put on a black tiles, carpet oh, uh, yeah. bad decision as well I'm hovering every day with it yeah yeah so she um so yeah so I think the other thing as well that um you can buy is you can buy something called an eco egg and this is brilliant for people who really do react very very sensitive skin. So it's basically an egg with these kind of mineral balls in there and the balls actually attract the dirt and they do a really good job. I use it myself. They do get the clothes clean. Now, I think if you're a mother of boys that would be out playing outdoors, it probably won't do the job as well. But it's certainly good enough to freshen up clothes and there's no chemicals in those. And you can buy an eco ball for about 
12 or 14 euros and it'll last you keep it, it lasts we, we, a couple of hundred washes yeah you, can, you, you reuse it ok yeah. my son takes Zyrtec every day for allergies is there anything else he could be taking please yeah so there's Zyrtec is an antihistamine um so I suppose really, Patricia, like it's so complex to kind of get to the bottom of what allergies are, you know, what they're being caused by, because it's generally not just only one cause. Um, but that really is the key from a natural perspective is to try and have a look at the diet um, and try and have a look at the environment and minimize the amount of allergens. So is it mold? I think that in Ireland we have so much mold. We're such a damp climate um, and a lot of us are do react to mold. So air purifiers in that case would remove the burden. Uh, there are natural antihistamines that you can take. The ones that I mentioned earlier, quercetin, um, vitamin C, bromelain and stinging nettle are all wonderful natural antihistamines and they can work brilliantly. So um, they would obviously have no side effects of, you know, of that the antihistamines that you get in the pharmacy would have and they're suitable for long-term use. And then healing the gut is very important when you're a very allergic person as well because the bacteria in the gut actually are foreign bodies living in our system and our immune system grows used to them and doesn't fight them. So it does actually provide a level of immunomodulation. So putting bacteria into the gut that are healthy, that help our body recognize foe from non-foe, um, uh, is a very important part of modulating our immune system and diminishing our high sensitivity responses. Hi, Annalise. Would you have any cure for very hot legs? I can't sit anywhere near heat, but my shins are absolutely on fire. The heat in bed is almost unbearable. Thanking you. It's a horrible feeling, I think, for people. And now, I don't know how old this listener is, and if, if this listener is male or female. It's a very common one for menopause, Patricia. Is it? So it is, yeah. The very hot, hot feet and hot legs. There are other things as well. It could be a B deficiency. It could be an iron deficiency. Um, and a lot of the time, there's, there's, you know, there's no actually direct cause of it. It's, it's, it's um, a, just something that happens. Like in the body, yeah, where the body is feeling overheated. So I think probably go and get your bloods checked is the first thing down on your doctor. Make sure that you're not iron and B12 deficient. That's the first thing to check. And if you are, take a supplement to bring those up. Sometimes um, the magnesium oil can be helpful here as well. Uh, what I'd recommend in this case maybe would be get the magnesium gel and just uh, keep it in the fridge so that it's nice and cool. Um, and you can rub that on your legs. And the magnesium, we always we often talk about it for muscle, but actually it's very important for nerve transmission as well. And the nerves that um, are responsible, we think of pain, but actually heat is very important in terms of nerve transmission as well. So if there's um, a problem with the nerve transmission to the receptors that feel heat, magnesium could help there. Um, and then the other thing to do is just to maybe get something like an arnica cooling gel um, or horse chestnut. Any of these are very good for the veins and for the muscles of the legs and keep the gels in the fridge so that they're nice and cool and apply them morning and evening. Hey ladies, this is WhatsApp. are just uh, recovering from laser eye surgery. Is there anything I could do to speed up the healing? Much appreciated. Um, so now I don't know if this is eye surgery for cataracts or for... Um, for a different problem. No, it's but, it's looking at the profile of the person. It's a younger person. I'm assuming it's just to correct. Oh, excellent. So yeah. I think generally um, one of the, the side effects of the LASIK, which is the eye surgery that corrects your vision, which is like a miracle for people because I've had it done. Um, one of the side effects can be dry eyes. So to speed up your healing, 
take a fish oil, a high-strength fish oil that's got a lot of DHA in it. So when you get fish oils, the two omega-3s that are important are omega-3 EPA and omega-3 DHA. EPA is wonderful for cholesterol, thinning the blood, natural anti-inflammatory. DHA is an integral part of the fatty tissue of our nerves, our eyes, our brains. Um, So it's very good for any dry conditions and it's very good for nervous system and brain issues as well. So get one that's high in DHA. You may need to get a pregnancy one. They tend to be higher because it's very important for fetal development. And that will prevent dry eye, which is a side effect of LASIK, and it'll speed up healing as well. Okay, and very quickly, because I have about 40 seconds, I was diagnosed as a celiac in 2004, but in recent uh, years, says this texter, I feel I get bloated after having dairy in my diet. I've cut out milk and now take almond milk, uh, but just have a very small amount of dairy in my diet. What kind of intolerance testing is available and how accurate are this from Katrina? So there's two kinds of intolerance testing. One is using a machine which works on a sort of kinesiology uh, basis. And the other one is a blood test that looks for antibodies, which is an immune response, to that when you're reacting to foods. Now, the, I would do the uh, antibody testing one because I feel that that's quite scientific. But I do know there's a number of practitioners in the area that do the kinesiology testing with the machine. And they've been in the business a long time and they can be very accurate. And w- well. wor- but worth getting it checked. Worth getting a Absol- check, definitely, okay. make your life much easier. All right, we'll talk next week, uh, the last one for 2019. Have a good week. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub, Times Square, Ballincollig. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a lovely afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Festive food and fun. The Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Declan Ernie here and you're listening to Eric Griffin on Country and Irish on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8 right here on C103. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.